Hello, everybody. I'm Dr. Len Baer. Today is Sunday, July 23rd, uh, 2023. And you're watching another installment of Targeted Justice v. Garland, a podcast about an extraordinary lawsuit. The lawsuit is destined to go all the way to the Supreme Court, and we're destined to meet here every Sunday to follow twists and turns of our legal saga. Before we begin the show, the show I want to personally uh, say thank you to every one of you who reached out and congratulated me um, on joining the board of directors of Targeted Justice. Your overwhelmingly um, commented uh, in a positive manner, and you tripled my resolve to find this is injustice and modern-day technological barbarity inflicted upon at least 300,000 Americans and 6 million people worldwide. I know you follow this podcast from every corner of the world, uh, according to the information shared with me by our Google overlords. So thank you. Uh, guess who is on the show with us today? And you guessed it right, a woman a legend, someone who embodies the hope of every targeted individual to lead life without advanced neurological biosurveillance in torture-based psyops, Anna Toledo. How are you, Anna? Hi, Len. I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for your beautiful introductions every time. I'm ready, ready to report. You're very welcome. We'll get to you in a minute. But uh, I want to introduce our special guest today. Uh, his name is Don Prosser. Uh, he majored in English and Japanese literature, has spent over 10 years living in, in Japan. He's a veteran, a professional coach, and the only American who ever successfully graduated from a Japanese school called uh, Gyo-in, known for its ascetic, mind-bending stoicism. A person you really don't meet every day, Don Prosser. Welcome to the podcast, Don. Thank you, Lynn. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, a little nervous because I know you're, you're just experts in this field, but I, uh, I've really learned so much from you and looking forward to today. There's nothing to be nervous about, Don. You're very welcome to be on the show. The, we will interrogate you later, Don. But first and foremost, a legal update in the historic lawsuit, Targeted Justice v. Garland. Please take it away, Anna. Okay. Well, this week um, we had, I was a little nervous because I had not received the docketing information on the case. And turns out that I gather that because of the language that the judge used in the decision regarding the lack of jurisdiction, well, the Fifth Circuit had to do a jurisdictional review, like a review for the appeal to go forth. And this week we got, I, I hadn't heard of that before, but fortunately we got the go ahead in the beginning of, towards the beginning of the week. So I've started working on not only the arguments, uh, also the, um, joint appendix that will be submitted. And um, one, one of the really interesting things about this decision is that if there is a rule of law that everybody knows is that when a case is dismissed, the case, the, the court has to take as true all the well-pleaded facts of the complaint and uh, in the light more most favorable to the plaintiff. That is a quote that you read in all cases regarding Rule 12, which is a dismissal. In this case, it doesn't, uh, it, that is not cited. It's only cited that courts don't have to pay attention to conclusory allegations, whatever. So uh, to begin with, with a legal analysis, well, uh, it, it, this, this decision deviates from prior ones citing the rule of law and then discussing it at the basic, basic rule of law. When, when you take into consideration, for example, uh, when I mentioned that uh, the Timothy Groh, deputy director of the Terrorist Screening Center, admission that innocent civilians 
were placed in this list for other reasons. The fact that the court doesn't discuss this uh, in the context of the declaratory judgment requested is very significant. It is also um, very significant, and this is what is different from uh, this weekend, I had the opportunity to look at the fact that um, the decision is supposed to cite and, and refer to the pleadings and in, on 19 occasions, the decision refers to, instead of the database, which is a terrorist screening database, it refers to a data set. And uh, my opinion is that they, you know, in all prior cases that have been a challenge to the database, even as recent as March, 2023 in the Fifth Circuit, Kova uh, versus Ray, everybody talks about a data database, not a data set. So that word was not, I never thought it was contained in any of my pleadings. However, because the, the court arrives to the conclusion, devoid of legal support for it, that the word database and the word data set, data set are used interchangeably, but there is no legal authority to back that up. So I went into my documents and I started searching if that word was in my my documents and turns out it's that the word data set is only contained in paragraph 25 of the amended complaint and i said that this word did not come out of my brain because it did not come out of my research so i don't know why i did this but i saved all the versions of the second amended complaint i filed and it turns out that between version 14 and version 15 the word got in there on April 12. The version that I had in the morning didn't contain the single word data set and the version at 9 p.m. had it. So in preparation for uh, you know the, the arguments and appeal that I have been preparing, one of the things uh, that I did is that I started doing a little table of the facts uh, stated in the order memorandum order and the actual you know the real the and, and set, setting forth what that is erroneous i did that first document in my in one of my computers the one i connect to the internet when i came the next day to get the document although the document was in my desktop its contents had been erased the icon though showed as if the contents were there so clearly the criminals that want to maintain targeted individuals enslaved to this program are getting in violation of all precepts of law, are getting into my computer, erasing my documents and even changing its contents. Now I realize why the clerks at the Victoria Court the first time insisted that instead of me saving as PDF and uploading the documents through PACER, that I instead print them, scan them, and send them because image files cannot be altered as easily as PDF files that are saved as PDF. Uh, clearly, you know, who would have an interest to alter the context of my documents? It doesn't really make a difference because it's probably, I talk about the terrorist screening database, probably I mention it a hundred times within in the entire complaint and only once does the word data say show up. But it was put in there in paragraph 25 by foreign actors that foreign, I mean foreign to my computer, not by my brain, not by my fingers. And and so I have to think of, you know, who would who would benefit from who would be directing criminal hackers to get into my computer and put in there the words that the defendants want to be put in my documents. This is very serious. And the impunity with which these criminals continue to act, they have to realize, like you said, Lynn, we're gonna go all the way to Supreme Court if we have to. And, and we are fighting in many other realms. We're going to end this program no matter what. So the, and these people will have to face justice. So it's about time that they like put their impunity away and stop messing with my computer and my legal work product and documents because truth ultimately comes out. I saved those two versions and I'm gonna have an expert review them and see 
who got into my computer on that date and altered those documents. And it's not going to be pretty. So that's one thing that I wanted to get out there. The other thing is that um, I'm, I'm going to answer your questions. I know you've been reading uh, the opinion, so I, I, I will answer your questions. But uh, I, I wanted to assure everybody that more than ever, now more than ever, the more I read this document, the more I am so confident that, you know, the best thing that could have happened was this dismissal because the Fifth Circuit has an opportunity to review it anew from, from scratch. Uh, they don't have to give deference to the district court because they are at, in the same position. When you review documents, are the eyes that look at a document at a district court level is the same as the eyes that look at documents on the uh, Fifth Circuit level. Um, I want uh, to commend everybody that has continued this fight. We have boots on the grounds uh, doing two campaigns. One is a letter to big corporations where we know that the gang stalking goes on, uh, giving, you know, going and giving letters and telling them you have to stop your participation, if any, on this program. And the second one, which uh, was very successful last Tuesday, we had Goji's call and uh, <clears throat> we are doing uh, a, a sort of teaching targeted individuals to identify weaponized cell towers so that they can uh, write to the owners and operators of these weaponized cell towers, telling them you your facilities are being used as directed energy weapons. And if they are publicly uh, traded companies, they have a duty to tell their shareholders that their share value may be impaired, may be reduced because we are gonna fight the weaponization of cell towers. And so we're doing that grassroots organizing. And this is where the community is so valuable. This unity that we have been able to accomplish never before the TI community has been so together, so united and working towards a single goal, goal of attaining our freedom. So uh, this Tuesday, we're gonna continue uh, in the effort. We're gonna put uh, some additional pictures of weaponized towers so that people train their eyes uh, into identifying them. And, you know, we are going to demand, once we de force these companies to de-weaponize these towers, the microchip that creates the, bi the microwave beams in these towers is not used, is not necessary for the transmission of voice and data. So once they de-weaponize these towers, the criminals that fire their weapons will have 90% of the attacks are made through cell towers, including the subliminal messaging carried out against the population. And so uh, the, the moment these towers get to be de-weaponized, it's gonna present a huge problem for the criminals that torture every uh, Americans, innocent Americans uh, throughout our nation and 6 million people throughout the world. So I urge you all to connect to Goji's call on Tuesday again. Uh, because there's nothing stopping this empowered community. And that's, that's, a, that's all I had to uh, update you on so far. If you have any questions, Len. I certainly do. Thank you, Anna, for this update. For those who doesn't know who Goji is, Goji Justice is a uh, targeted community organizer on the East Coast, and she's doing a wonderful uh, job. She was on, on uh, our 4th of July um a show uh, as a special guest and she delivered a wonderful message that uh, a lot of people commented on she she is well known in the community and she helps us with these uh, um uh, with the unification of our community uh something that you said anna uh today really uh made me think um in in broader terms the electric the electronic interference that we all experience we all know it happens in front of our eyes on our phones on our computers files disappear files being renamed it, this is 
regular people, people who are not targeted, cannot imagine uh, the extent of the electronic interference. But what you said, you are an attorney and your file has been meddled with. That's a step too far. And we'll definitely, and, 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 the, and the purpose of that interference is so clear to substitute the word database with the word data set. And we will take a closer look what the difference is and who the benefiters are, who will benefit from changing that message. And we will have a special show devoted to that. We will also have a show about the uh, gang stalking uh, 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 letters to, to uh, corporations and the cell towers. So stay with us every Sunday, you will get useful information and, and groundbreaking news. And then, in the beginning, you said that um, when you looked at this uh, lawsuit, you you found some deviation. And I thought, Anna, you've been too nice. And I understand why you're a professional, you're an attorney, you um, abide by certain rules, but I don't have to. And I also looked at this uh, and at this filing, and I'm also getting a lot of legal education. I'm thinking about getting a third degree. I mean, <laughs> I'm a medical doctor, a targeted individual, and then and then maybe paralegal. So uh, I'm getting a uh, a great education. And here's uh, something I put together that is totally my opinion, but I would like you to comment on it. Um, uh, and see if uh, I'm completely off. So here's the uh, slides uh, uh, I put together and I call them blunt disregards to procedures and facts. And I meant blunt, I didn't mean, mean blatant because it is too, um, it's a step too far. So let's uh, see what um, I noticed in this case uh, by analyzing it. So I learned about some glaring irregularities leading to dismissal of this case. So um, the judge in this case did not generate a schedule, which I understand this is something done automatically for every new case. And to me, it means that she already expected case to be expected the case to be dismissed. That's the only reason I can think of if she didn't uh, provide a schedule. And then the judge didn't rule on any pending motions. And I think the reason is the same. She knew beforehand that the case will be dismissed. And then the judge didn't grant access to the database, uh, which has been granted to even suspected terrorists in other cases. Once again, because if she did, she would not be able to dismiss the case. So this procedurally, she acted as she was, she knew that she would be dismissing the case. Am I completely off, Anna? Or does it have any, does it make any sense to you? Well, I, I think that um, you, you, your instinct, is correct. Um, I don't know of cases where the Rule 16 order scheduling order is not generated automatically. Uh, in the case before it was transferred to Houston, the court had issued it. So it had, uh, the first court had issued it, auto generated it automatically. And uh, so that's that's one of the things that now in hindsight, I, I, I will bring to the attention of the Fifth circuit that it's not a, it's it's not a common and it's a, a deviation from regular procedure. Um, the the matter on the pending motions, particularly, for example, we had um, an unopposed motion for the filing of the amended complaint. And the court didn't rule it in until I called the clerk of the court and I said, look, it's an unopposed motion. It's to file a second amended complaint. How come the court hasn't ruled on it? And then the next day they granted it because it was unopposed, but that was not supposed to happen. 
Uh, the other thing about the discovery, you know, we filed a motion to compel discovery. And, and here's what happens. Courts are supposed to do the fact finding. In this case, if the limited discovery that we requested, which was the status, the TSTB status of the 18 plaintiffs, not all of targeted justice members, just the 18 plaintiffs, well, that would have precluded the court from dismissing the case because once they are found to be on the list, these are innocent civilians that have nothing to do with terrorism, then uh, the entire um, argument and narrative about uh, lack, fantastical and uh, lack of standing would not be able to, to hold water. And that's what um, the court eventually denied it as moot because it's like putting, um, you know, when you put the, you have, a, you have a wagon and you have the horse, but you put the horse after the wagon. Well, that's, that's what happened here. Um, the, the motion to compel was essential to the jurisdictional, uh, you know, allegation. A, and uh, unfortunately, the court erroneously stated in, the, in, the, in its decision that the two plaintiffs, Karen Stewart and, and Richard Lighthouse did not explain how they knew they were on the list. That is not accurate because there are paragraphs specifically detailing, describing how they found out and how they connected the dots that their targeting had to do with uh, being on the list, declared a terrorist. So um, if, if a limited discovery was warranted and necessary and indispensable to the court's fact-finding role was that discovery that was denied as moot. So um, yeah, you're, you're totally right. And I have to, you know, I, I, uh, I am very disappointed. That's what I can say. I'm very disappointed that, um, that from alleging uh, that um, they, they didn't, stating that the plaintiffs didn't really allege or didn't allege well, or allege, or, you know, they don't even know, you know, how can a court request that a plaintiff know, have seen the list, have the list, when that is what we were initially, my clients were asking through a privacy act request, which you sent one, and most of them did, because we wanted to have the most accurate information, but FBI stonewalled the request. So, um, and, and that was alleged in the complaint, and that is something the court doesn't talk about, how they stonewalled that, uh, you know, we wanted to prepare the most perfect complaint. So I, I'm, I can only say I'm very disappointed, but at the same rate, very hopeful because these uh, mistakes, in my opinion, give us a very good opportunity to present our case before the Fifth Circuit. And I understand. Uh, you made it very, very clear. And I want to emphasize that all, if the judge really felt like dismissing the case, she could have just showed you in the, in the, in the, in the court quarters, which has been done before in the cases filed by actually suspected terrorists, it's been done, but we have been denied uh, um, the privilege to look at the, uh, at the database. And if we were not in the database, the case would have been dismissed without any fantastical language and, and any other shenanigans. All right, so let's then, go. Let me, let me say yes. more than a privilege, looking at the database is a right plaintiffs have because they have a right to discover all relevant evidence that tends to prove their claims that is under the control of defendants. The court denied plaintiffs a right to discover the evidence that substantiates their claims. And that is a mistake we're going to bring before the Fifth Circuit. Yes, we will. Next slide I prepared is about glaring omissions of facts that would have hindered dismissal. And this part I consider very important and very disappointing. There are two things that the judge never 
um, addressed. And I find them, I find them extremely irregular and extremely uh, disrespectful. For example, the judge disregarded testimony of Timothy Grow, who is a former uh, uh, terrorist screen center deputy director, that non-terrorists are included in the database for other reasons. The second statement that the judge completely omitted was uh, provided as one of the exhibits by the, by the defendants. Uh, and it was a declaration by Samuel Robinson, who is the current um, uh, terrorist uh, screening center deputy director, that people can be included in the database using secret criteria. Just these two factual statements formalize the illegality of, of terrorist screening database, the way it has been operated. And there is more evidence, but just omitting these two facts, it was to me completely unacceptable. Anna? Yes, well, to me, you don't have to be a targeted individual to challenge, to request a declaratory judgment to declare this part of the list illegal. And, and because this, these two, and what they are called is uncontroverted material facts. What that means is that there's no controversy. Nobody can rebut them. They're written in stone, okay? And any American that cares about the Constitution could technically file a declaratory judgment demanding that this list be eliminated because it contains the names of non-terrorists and they don't know if they could be on that list or not because they don't tell them. And uh, it's government defamation because as we have alleged in the complaint, which is something that the court didn't go into either, this list is spread to uh, from documents. We have court documents we have over 18,000 law enforcement, tribal, state, and federal, uh, over uh, 1,440 organizations, over 536 corporations, biggest corporations in the United States. So all these people are told that innocent civilians included in that list that make up 97% of the list, by the way, they are suspected terrorists. That is government defamation. And anybody, any American, any constitution and freedom loving American could have standing to challenge this illegality. The secret criteria is something so outrageous, the court didn't go into it either, you know? And I am absolutely certain that, you know, well presented a, to, to, to the court of appeals, they will be outraged as well because um, this is, it's 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 unheard of. It's really unheard of. Um, one one of the important parts is that the opinion sets as the pleadings incorrect facts that we didn't plead. For example, we I we didn't plead that the defendants in this case were the ones that fired the microwave weapons, and that's one of the conclusions that the court arrives at. I will pay you if you find that statement in that second amended complaint because it's it's not i know it's not there and uh so that's just like one of the one indicia that um it, it was not the the decision does not adjust to the reality of the pleadings to what is contained in the pleadings and that is one major cause for reversal because it, it doesn't adhere to the pleadings I totally agree. And this is just a small sample of intellectually dishonest treatment of our case that the Fifth uh, Circuit Court will hopefully correct. We are confident that the constitutionality of our case will prevail. Thank you very much, Anna. Do you have anything else to uh, add to the legal update? No, nothing. I just want to thank uh, the solidarity of our beautiful community, targeted community. Um, I urge you to stay united and strong because 
I know it's painful. I know these criminals are making it very painful on you, on all of us. Um, but they just don't know what to do because we are we, despite, you know, they hack my computer, they do everything they do, and we still continue going, you know, like the Energizer Bunny, and nothing is going to stop this united community. So I just urge you to please keep on the grassroots work that is so important. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. And now, time to go to our special guest. I met Don Prosser when I made a realization that public speaking will be in my future, whether I want it or not. And so I um, reached out to this online company that matched me up with Don Prosser as a public speak speaking tutor. Uh, we met online, we spent an hour talking about my public speaking needs and my desire to improve my presentation skills. And then the company sent me an email and they told me they can no longer offer Don services. And this is when I reached out to Don directly. And Don, you can tell the rest of the story. Well, thank you, Lynn. Uh, that, that was really interesting working with you because, I mean, obviously you're an expert speaker of the language. So I'm thinking to myself, what in the world am I going to help this man with? He's not only highly educated, but you know, traveled the world. He's involved in something most people would find just horrendous, this target individual um, kind of attack upon himself. But I think in, in working with you, in a matter of speaking, I became the student. So I learned so much about what target individuals endure, shall we say, and that no one knows about. So you can imagine if there was this travesty against a certain race in America or a class of people, be the front page of every newspaper, uh, CNN would carry it, uh, people would be up in arms because it would apply, like let's say every green person is being subjected to this attack. Then every, everyone would come out of the woods that was green and say, this is terrible. The problem is we don't have a color to target individuals. It's, it's like a secret campaign. So um, I, I've loved working with you. Um, I think we worked out some really, really interesting strategies that allow you, I mean, you have, you have a very charismatic voice and you present well. So there will be one day that, you know, let's say you're presenting in front of the Supreme Court, you've got to be on your, your game. And I think you, you have so excelled in getting an emotional um, message across when facts are facts, but you know that people are moved by emotions and saying, there's a fire in the theater and there's a fire in the theater. I mean, are totally different type of exclamations. So I'm really looking forward to seeing you blossom as, as just Len and, and knowing that um, you're more empowered to fight back. You're, you're no longer a passive person who's just going to take it on the nose. You're, you're becoming a warrior uh, in your own right. So thank you, Len. Don. You're very kind to me. I thoroughly enjoy our sessions, your tutoring, your this is really this is really becoming a friendship and and an exchange we learn from each other. I I want to people I want people I also want people to know that when I asked how much I I should uh, compensate compensate you uh, for these classes, you said those are free. This is my service to the country and i was just blown away by by your answer honestly don thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart i also want people to know that you have in ex you you are still having an extremely interesting life but your um your past is just as impressive as impressive as as your present please Tell us a little bit about the time you spent in Japan. Just, I, I, I asked you to do a separate interview. I hope we will do it, but just give us a, just a brief um, uh, introduction to what uh, I'm referring to. Sure. Uh, I was a, a little kid growing up in, you know, the woods practically. Um, 
and didn't know much about the world, so had joined the military, came out of the military, had some, um, had some challenges uh, reconciling my tiny little experience of the world with the truth of military life. I was like vastly inexperienced and the military is the military. So I thought to myself, there isn't a place in America that I can kind of sequester myself. Um, I knew I, I was gonna to go to college. So I knocked out college real quick. Um, I was able to get through college in like three years because I had these credits through the military. But I said to myself, what am I gonna do here in America? I, I still am no, I'm not one step closer to discovering this truth about um, peace versus conflict. I was very, I was very uh, pulled in these two directions. And I had known about Japan. One of my professors had actually served there uh, in 1945. So if you can imagine, and something amazing that he said to me, he said, you know, before they sent us over, I was a inexperienced 17, 18 year old Marine. I just wanted to go there and kill them all. You know, they were the, the, the enemy to me and I was going to bayonet them all. He said, when I got there, I found out it wasn't the Japanese people who had created this war against America. It was this, you know, war savage machine that came from their industrial complex that just wanted to dominate everything, China, Korea, America, everything. But the people, the people were just these immensely spiritual people who were kind of in a time vacuum. If you had gone back to Japan in the 40s, like they were locked in like the 1700s. They didn't have a, a lot of Western influence. Everything was basic. And I said, well, you know, I'll move to this country for just a year and, and take a look and see what I can learn. Got there, fell in love with the country, uh, particularly the culture. Just from the way they poured a cup of tea was, was artistic. It wasn't this brute American, you know, boom, shove the tea in a cup and drink it down. They, they had a je ne sais quoi. They had a, a quality of life that I, I so desired because I was really seeking peace. I wanted to know what serenity was because I, I think I was very troubled. I was extremely troubled and I wanted this serenity. So my one year kind of blossomed into 11 uh, before I knew it, you know, the, night, the 1990s were gone. I missed all of this American culture. The, up popped this thing called the internet. Then the cellular phones and social media was just beginning. So it was the absolute best experience of my life to humble me, kind of bring me down a few notches and, and make me uh, close my eyes, open my ears and open my heart, as opposed to, I have to see everything. I started uh, learning how to feel more. So Japan was, was an amazing, amazing experience. Um, I've been back and forth. I've lived probably another five or 10 years you know, going back and forth. So about half of my life has been spent you know, in, in this one country. So thank you, Len, for asking. That is incredible. This is, I really want to have a whole uh, uninterrupted conversation with you about it and, and um, various forms of meditation uh, that could be very useful for targeted individuals. So I hope uh, this, is, this will happen uh, soon. But now, this is something I wanted to do for a long time, and I couldn't have uh, found a better person to do it with. We're going to play a game um, called If the Tables, If Tables Were Turned, as if you were a targeted individual and, and you know enough about it from uh, our conversations uh, and the podcast, and I was interviewing you as a targeted individual. And I would ask you the most common and challenging questions that targeted individuals are often asked. Uh, how does that sound, Don? I like this. This gets my curiosity. This I like. All right. So let's get to it. So one of the first questions that all TIs have been asked, why you? What's so special about you that this is happening to you? How would you answer that question, Don? Yeah, I, I would be bewildered. There really is nothing um, 
nothing totally special about me. I mean, I haven't, uh, number one, I've never been arrested. Um, I'm pretty sure I've never um, done anything that I don't remember. Um, everything about me is well known from the minute I joined the military, from your fingerprints to your blood type to everything. Um, I attended sniper school, so I'm probably on some database there um, as a potential somebody. So I think I'm kind of an open book to be, to be targeted. I would be very surprised. Like I would want to ask the government, well, first I kind of be thinking to myself, Hmm, wait a minute. I wonder why they, they want anything to do with me, but on the flip side, what is the government going to learn from little Don Prosser in the middle of the woods in upstate New York? Well, you answered the question with a question that that's that wouldn't satisfy most of the people. But no. thanks, thank you for trying. It, it, this here's an extension of the same question. Do you think you did something, or you might have done something that uh, uh, resulted in your targeting? Nice question. If you had asked me that question five or ten years ago, I would say. Absolutely not. I know my life very well, um, with the exception of eight years in the United States military. 99% of my life has been devoted toward some spiritual maturity in whatever form it is, my, from my occupation to my pastimes, to the people I allow in my life, to how I treat nature. I have attempted to take uh, something not so good that I've done and parlay it into something beneficial. That's the 10 year ago answer. Nowadays, we know that there are certain innocent things or innocuous things anyone out there can do can be so twisted into a new agenda that merely being born a certain way, attending this place, having associated with this person becomes almost a whirlwind where People lose sight of the act of doing something and they, they create this kind of draconian story that, um, you know, one of my favorite shows out there is Blacklist. And it almost seems like we're creating these stories that are so skewed toward um, kind of oppression. You know, I, I want to be on top. I want you to be on bottom. So I am absolutely sure every single thing I have done, if you were to look at me at the last moment of my life, you'd be like, okay, we're going to pass this guy. He's good to go. But someone out there somewhere may have seen or, or even heard anything that I've done and then crafted a story, then use the internet. And it's a, it's a sales gimmick. Now the internet is, is a sales gimmick. That's an interesting, uh, um, take on this on this question I, I can tell you that to me this particular question feels like a setup mm -hmm. that i'm forcing you to come up with something to insinuate that you might have done something that is illegal borderline illegal or unacceptable it sets you up any way you answer that question if you start thinking about your past you shouldn't be thinking about your past. If you have done anything illegal, then there's a due process and you should be presented with the accusations. The way this question is set up, that it um, it's asking you to self-incriminate uh, you. And that's why I find this question unacceptable. But thanks for answering from your perspective. Um, next question, Don. How do you know that what's happening to you is not just in your imagination? I like that. Now that that lends me to think uh, some of it may be in my imagination, but I do know that I think from speaking to you, if I know the physical pain and the physical symptoms that you've experienced above and beyond anything psychological, uh, because there are tests we can do that. There are um, tons of uh, inventories you can do on different modalities for um, learning about a psychological malady. But 
the physicality, I mean, it's indisputable. If I had your symptoms and I had your pain, number one, I think the pain would be the hardest thing for me. I have a pretty high tolerance for pain, but not being able to control by any means, I'm completely passive and there's this uh, oppression against me, that would be my proof that, you know, look, people, th this is real. You may not want to believe it. I actually don't want to be subjected to it, but my body is not lying. Um, there, there, you've told me the tests you've been through, um, the diagnoses, those are serious types of things. So I think we want it to be in our minds. People say, ah, oh, our country can't be doing that. Ah, oh, that doesn't make a good story. That doesn't jive with my politics. Um, there's no way that can be true. But I have learned that disbelief leads to the truth. So that when you are curious about something or you don't believe it 100%, you will search for the truth. And that's what I would like Americans to, to think about to themselves, say, wait a minute, there's no way this can be true. Wait, can it? But that curiosity or that doubt will lead people to say, well, I've believed all my life, nothing like this could ever happen. Have I been incredibly naive or do I just not know all the facts? So I can say, you opened my eyes to this. So I would, I would be very um, upset if people told me, oh, it's all in your mind, get over it. Uh, Don, I uh, really appreciate. And uh, this is that train of thought I think every targeted individual should, should follow. This is, look, this is what's happening to me. And this is the truth. And why would I be uh, saying anything but the truth? So I think that's the that's a good summary of of what you just said. It, it, it's my take. And my final question: I'm not gonna, uh, we're not gonna go into many many of this. Don, what do you think is the purpose of the program that you are claiming to be a part of? Uh, you know, this morning I was online. I looked up something called the Medusa Project, and I'm sure uh, you know about this. Um, these experiments uh, well after World War II, I think America was kind of cutting its teeth on what they thought the Russian government was doing. It was this attempt to say, well, we think the Russians are doing this. Let's throw together some program and uh, defend ourselves, right? Uh, we're, we're, in, we're in deep, you know, shit. These guys are over here doing this and we have to have something to counter it with zero proof. Um, just circumspect, uh, Cold War was a period where just the insinuation would get you in trouble. So I'm wondering to myself, if, if these programs have a purpose, is it purely experimental? Are we just saying, well, we think the rest of the world is doing this, we've got to keep par, uh, you know, stay on top? Or is it true manipulation, which in this day and age, everything is being sold to you once manipulated. There's nothing that we are out there buying, uh, enjoying, whatever, that hasn't been methodically thought out, absolutely thought out, just from the way the social media post gets posted, to backup, to questions, to kind of false flags. I mean, it's not random. And I think in the world of psychology, um, directed behavior is, is a is a modality that you use to make sure a client follows a certain stream of thought. So if there is a purpose and, and that's not so nefarious, it's just uh, experimental, why in the world would they experiment, experiment on our own people? Uh, the people that, I mean, I've carried this flag on my shoulder uh, for my own country and for me to be targeted would be uh, the ultimate disgrace. I would say to myself, what was I protecting? Or why did I uh, choose to serve my country that now is targeting me? So I can only imagine how you feel. And you're as patriotic as anyone I know that we love our country. We ask it, what in the world are you doing to me? But as you said, once you're on these lists, it's a foregone conclusion. You, you almost have to prove your innocence. It's like someone asking me, 
prove to me you're not cheating on your wife. What do I do? What, what proof do I assemble that I'm not doing something? I would say the onus is on them to prove that I am doing something, but it almost seems like the law has been twisted. Now you're being forced to rationalize um, your position. You're being forced to prove this is happening to you. This is almost the opposite of, of justice. I saw the picture of the lady of justice there holding the scales blindfolded. In her right hand, she has a sword. I mean, that's there for a reason. She's not holding up these scales with her left hand just for you know, shits and giggles. She's got a sword in her other hand that is both there to enforce the law, but also to free the innocent. So I, I think it's that double edge that now you're on the other end. You're, you're having to prove that something's happening to you, prove that it's real. When you're an United States citizen, you don't, you don't have to prove anything. Uh, it's, it's our duty. I think that's a good word. It's our duty as Americans to expose I, what is happening to you to make sure it doesn't happen to other Americans and to make sure someone out there pays the price. I don't know who that's going to be, whether it's a director of some three-letter agency, whether it's some scientist in a dusty basement, but you told me once that you have to get specific to the people. We can't just say, well, the FBI is wrong. What do we do? To go arrest them all? There's not enough space in the prisons. But there's got to be a specific delineation upon certain individuals. And from hearing what Anna just told me, that's frightening. Somebody coming into her computer, somebody changing words. I mean, if that was happening to me, that would be probably the most scariest thing I could encounter. Almost, almost worse than if someone broke into your house and stole something. At least you know that's a physical act, how they got in, what they stole. How long have they been meddling with their computer? That she so when I say someone has to pay the price, it, there has to be some individual responsibility. And I think we pride Americans. Uh, we pride ourselves on being these independent people. We don't have a government that tells us what line to stand in for bread and what to do at our job. We're not living in a communist state. We're not socialists. There's a huge part of the Constitution that's about, you know, pick up after yourself, lead your own life be responsible, be a big boy, don't bitch. I mean, this is, this is a country made for, you know, strong, hearty people who want to do things by themselves, who don't want to be coddled and hugged by the government. And that's, if you come to America, this is the place to work, but also reap the benefits. Uh, I would love a small government, not this huge government now that we've created. So I'm really scared now um, after hearing, I think, what happened to Anna. And I wish, remember, fear breeds action. So if more Americans were sort of fearful of this happening, they may rise up and say, wait a minute, I have got to find out what is happening to Len because that's scary as hell. So uh, let's hope that fear builds freedom. I couldn't have said it better. I don't think I have anything else to, to add to your um really thinking out loud and thank you for sharing your stream of consciousness with us. It was really precious. And I think a lot of targeted individuals will really appreciate your honesty and uh, straightforwardness. Thank you, Len. So, oh, you are absolutely welcome. Uh, we are approaching the end of our show. And as usual, I would like to ask our guests, um, what stood out to you the most? And what would be the takeaway message for our listeners? Anna, why don't you go first? Well, um, I want to create awareness that we're in a competition where the rules are not the same for the targeted individuals and the rest of the population. Um, I worked for three hours on the appendix for this for this appeal, and I forgot to mention when I came back, it was not in my desktop. The work of three hours was erased from my desktop. Uh, when you are good and you are right, you are not afraid, and you don't have to do, um, you know, a, 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 on your adversary. You don't have to do tricks on your adversary. I don't know who did this, but clearly, um, you know, like Don was saying is 
this is a free, we're supposed to be free. We're supposed to be, a, to have some sort of, you know, concept of, of um, freedom within ourselves, you know. Um, the judicial, the judi this is very serious, you know, the judicial, the interference with an attorney's work product, defending hundreds of thousands of Americans is a very serious thing. And this has got to have consequences. Um, the rest of the people in the United States have to know that today it's us, tomorrow it'll be them because this program was gonna be rolled out to the population. And it's, you know, it's about fair play. We, we have to, the, you know, the people behind this have to start understanding that we're not gonna stop. We're still gonna win despite everything they do to us because our resilience and our determination is more powerful than all of their technology and we will prevail. So stop with your gimmicks and just, you know, do fair play. If you're good, you'll win. If you're not, you won't. So just do fair play. That's that's my takeaway, you know. And that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Fair play. Couldn't agree couldn't have agreed more. Uh Don, please. Uh, now your takeaway from the show and uh, maybe some words of wisdom. Sure. I, I wish that everybody listening could uh, meet one of the founding fathers. Guy just comes out of history. Um, he's, he looks at the nation and says, whoa, this is absolutely not what we had in mind. We were under oppression by a, a, another nation across the pond telling us what to do. We fought to create a small government just to do the background kind of work, but we wanted to be free people, free from oppression they would be just totally bewildered to see the mega government we've created. As a matter of fact, it's probably worse per se than the British government was to them back in the 1700s. So they would be just shocked and say, boy, we had no intention of this nonsense. You guys got to go back to the drawing board. The problem is we've become so accustomed to huge government. And I mean, huge trillions of dollars, billions of people. Um, they have the right now to say, you know, what side of the street you can walk on down here. So if we break away from that and say, wait a minute, what's the real intention of this? Our government is not doing what we intended for them to do. We've just become so used to it that um, can't change anything. I just have to swallow it. But that's certainly not the case. We have the absolute duty, power, and maybe privilege to say, no, that's not what we intend. Um, this is happening to a guy named Len. It could happen to me tomorrow, just like Anna said, it's happening to you today. It could happen to me, my children, my friends, uh, my compatriots. And we don't need to wait until that happens to take some action that just liberates us. Um, I, I use that word oppression a lot because I, I really believe um, the motto of the special forces is de oppresso libre, uh, to free the oppressed. And I think that's, that's all of our inherent right. If we're going to be Americans, we have to free people who are being oppressed, even if it's not happening to us, because just like Anna said, it could tomorrow. Thank you very much, Don. As to me, I'm naming the show Blunt Omission of Facts because this is the treatment we received in the Southern District Court of Texas, the court where we went uh, with our pleading. And we will use the Court of Appeals to correct the second class treatment that we received in that court. But also, how about the conversation with Don? Uh, it was a breath of fresh air that we target individuals really need it is time that we come out of our of the shadows and only not 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 only talk to each other because uh we are apprehensive that our claims would will, will be treated as dubious uh it's time we find our voice make a stand and declare that no longer uh that no longer our claims will be ignored and no longer our legal pleadings will be swept under the rug. Until then, we will be here every Sunday, rain or shine.